Hello, Marvelites, and welcome. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale September 11th, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week we go through all the new comics that come out, even on weeks like this where there are 900 new Marvel comics. We're here for you. That's right. Because we're excited. We love comics. We're starting with Absolute Carnage versus Deadpool number two. This is written by Frank Thierry with pencils by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Roberto Poggi and Andy Owens with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I don't just love the Absolute Carnage main series, which is like really crushing right now. Um, I'm really, really loving these tie-in series. It's something that um, it's just, uh, it's a delight every single time we have an event that spreads a little bit throughout the universe. Some of my favorite comics of the year were War of the Realms tie-in series. Um, uh, and now, uh, Absolute Carnage is proving to be extraordinarily different in every single way, but, uh, just, just as delightful, just as fun. Uh, it's great to revel in this, in the darkness of everything that's going on here. I kind of want each of these tie-in series, I'm just so excited for them to hit their lowest point. Uh, it's something that we've already felt with like Miles tie-in. It's something we've already felt kind of uh, here and there. But this kind of symbiotic look is very difficult to pull off. There's just an immense amount of work that goes into it. So shout out to every single artist that does one of these tie-in series, every single artist that uh, is involved with Absolute Carnage. It's so visually stunning all the way through. You talking about how... There's a lot of work that goes into drawing the symbiote stuff, especially with Carnage. Makes me think about how the initial black suit symbiote, right, Mm -hmm. was, you know, part of it was it's so much easier to draw. You know, it's like there's no all all the lines. You have to worry about some shading and stuff like that. But it was a lot simpler, really cool, iconic design. And then Mark Bagley, I assume Mark was the one who designed Carnage as he's the artist who, you know, drew him in his first appearance. Because Mark can do everything and do it five times faster than literally everyone <laughs> is on that the planet. Actually, is that a, a, a hallmark of his? He is so fast. Oh, that's so interesting. He, I mean, you, we've seen weeks where we have two books fully drawn right. by him. Right. And then he has something else. You know, it, like he probably does 18 issues a year, something like that, um, or oversized books. Like he's he does a ton of work. Ah. Ah. Hey, Steve. <laughs> Steve quick no worries. Talking about your dang comic books in here. Right. <laughs> Steve, do you know if Mark Bagley designed <laughs> Carnage? Yes. Or, he did. Yes, okay, he did. great. So then Perfect. I knew it. Yeah. How many issues does he do a year? 18? At least. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I knew it. See? See, my visit helped. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. It, it truly did. All right. Thanks, Steve. See, See ya. Later. See ya. So we were just uh, <laughs> wonderfully interrupted by Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sobolski as he was giving a tour, and our space where we record the show in is a lot of fun. It's really cool. Uh, so I, I had to ask, were my facts correct? One, yes, Mark Bagley <laughs> did design Carnage. Two, yes, Mark Bagley does at least 18 issues a year, potentially more. You have to keep giving him work because he's so good and so fast. Like, yeah. And you look at his work, it is mind-bogglingly good, and... 
stellar, stellar work. 30 years plus here at Marvel. Um, he's, he's among the best. Up next is Absolute Carnage, Symbiote of Vengeance, number one, written by Ed Brisson, art by Juan Fergari, cover by Philip Tan. One of the Codex variants in here I really wanted to point out mm-hmm. because it is by one of my favorite artists, uh, James Stokoe. Oh, yeah, your man. Gnarly AF. Oh, it's so cool. I'm going a, I'm to a make sure I keep this one for myself. Uh, but this one is neat. It is, um, you know, like a cool bridge between all the Ghost Rider stuff that's been happening lately, whether it's in Avengers, Marvel Comics Presents, in various other books, uh, between that and leading us into the new Ghost Rider series. It feels like there's a a nice bridge there, Mm -hmm. but also into what's happening in Absolute Carnage. And it ties into that because it follows uh, (laughs) one of the Ghost Riders, Alejandra, who we haven't really seen much of her lately. She's been, um, she was really kind of like let down by Johnny Blaze and Mm -hmm. and pushed to the side a while ago. Uh, We pick her up because, for a short period of time she did have a symbiote attached to her so Carnage is he's got munch on that Uh, so it gets really gnarly really wild Dan Ketch is uh, like sent to try to help her but they're up against Carnage and Carnage Mm -hmm. is at his highest power level and growing things do not go well it does wrap up a nice bit for her uh, sort of tie this story off but like I said, lead it into the Ghost Rider series. Uh, most importantly, we get a little sight of one of my favorites, Knuckles O'Shaughnessy, oh, who yeah. is uh, just the best Ghost Rider. Uh, up next is Age of Conan, Valeria number two. This one is written by Meredith Finch with art by Aniki, colors by Andy Troy, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Again, like all the sort of Supporting characters and world building around Conan, I have no clue yeah. as I read these comics. And i that's part of one of the reasons why I love reading them is they're so different from what I'm used to and like these characters. And so you have a character like Valeria who is just completely underestimated by everyone. And every time she's taken down these dumbass fools in, in awesome <laughs> ways, you know, like kicking their asses. Yeah. Taking down dumbass fools should be the tagline for yeah. this book. Uh, okay, next up we have Amazing Spider-Man, number 29. Um, almost at 30 issues here. It's like flown by. And the, this is a, you know, we get two issues a month. Right. And so, you know, we <laughs> the book has only been around for a little over a year. Yeah, it's crazy. This issue is written, of course, by Nick Spencer with art by Francesco Mana, uh, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, this is something that I would actually be interested in talking to a bunch of different artists about this very specific like esoteric comic book thing which is like the visual tone and style is determined by the series artist in this case amazing spider-man is uh ryan otley and then you have other artists who jump on board fill in issues do do a bunch of amazing great work but i feel like I i think of this series i think of black panther i think of captain america these new artists that come in and do a few issues here or there like have to uh, to some degree kind of ape the style of like the series which is so interesting and that is i feel like such a unique challenge and something that um i, re- I personally haven't really heard um artists talk about that much i give a shout out to listener megan mccabe uh definitely read this book i will leave Ooh. that at that uh i also want to say there was a conversation between may and peter in this issue that made me put the book down and call my mom 
Oh, and I was just like, I, that's just, great. I want to talk to my mom. Yeah. And it was great. I had a great conversation. Up next is Black Cat number four, written by Jed McKay, art by Travel Foreman, colors by Brian Reber, letters by Ferran Delgado. Uh, man, I love this book so much. What's important here for the overall plot of the book is that we actually find out the big heist that Black Cat, Black Fox, Black Cat's crew, what they're all working towards here. Definitely a bad choice, bad idea for them, but <laughs> that's what you do. You get it, you get into these situations. Um, the issue, though, this comic is mostly set at 4 Yancey Street, the new home of the Fantastic Four. Uh, it's a real fun setup as Felicia comes to visit Johnny for a lunch date. Her narration is terrific, talking about the family, looking at the photos, uh, looking at the different pictures of the mm-hmm. everybody. And she's like, the most dangerous person in the family is Sue Storm, which is 100% true. Right. That is like, she is definitely the most powerful, scariest, right. if she needs to be, right. person in the, on the team. Uh, there's some really funny bits in there. Uh, we're talking about the heist, the dangers, the whole, just the tone of the issue just pops along. It feels really good. And then you have Travel, who just fills the issue with Easter eggs and little nods to things. My favorite may be uh, right at the beginning – there's two bo- there are two bottles of cologne that Johnny is uh, going between, and he puts on the Foom cologne, <laughs> which is just so fun. Uh, he puts that on. There's a really tense scene in which uh, Black Cat feels like, uh-oh, she's been found out, like the, the, the jig is up, and we get a few panels really up close of her eyes, panicked, beads of sweat coming down. It is uh, just really well done storytelling. Uh, it brings you into that mode. You know, you, you get the light and fun to the tense and the oh crap danger, you know, stuff so easily. Gorgeous and fun and continues to be one of my favorite books. Totally. Next up we have Captain Marvel number 10. And this is Falling Star part three. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Carmen Carnero, colors by Tom Ravonvillain. And uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Got it immediately. Got to shout out Carmen Carnero on this issue because she's just hitting new heights. I mean, just really gorgeous, incredible, dramatic work, Um, almost operatic at times. uh, The way that, uh, you know, Kelly's narrative moves along, the way that it ties into Carol's backstory, the way um, that we have these quiet moments with Captain Marvel, who's gone through a ton and is going through a ton in these issues currently it's really interesting to examine carol's history kind of via her relationship and past with minerva who showed up in the last issue i love it i just adore it i'm so excited for where this series uh, is going to continue yeah uh i also wanted to shout out carmen because her art so good there's like a looseness to her lines mm. Um, that gives the panels and pages like this room to breathe, working really, really closely with the coloring. Um, without sacrificing detail or clarity of storytelling, um, it I don't it, I was reading that issue and it like she has a way of making the page feel bigger than it is mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I good. think it's it's yeah. really beautiful stuff. Uh, her style kind of reminds me of the mid 2000s here where we had like, um, Butch Geis and a bunch of artists working on like Captain America and various other projects. But the coloring for those was very dark mm-hmm. and very like intense and dramatic. Whereas the coloring for Captain Marvel is very bright and superhero-y. And I, I love it. I just 
absolutely love it. And then, you know, I was thinking about that and into our next book, which is Daredevil number 11, which has very tight, very specific line work here because it is drawn by uh, the mighty Marco Coquetto, but uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, colors by Nolan Woodard and letters by V.C. Clayton Cowles. You know, Marco's lines, they has like this very detailed little bits. It's almost like he's working on a giant canvas and then shrinking it down a ton. Whereas Carmen looks like, you know, she is making the page bigger somehow. It's really, it's fascinating stuff watching brilliant artists do their craft in different ways. Yeah, I I remember talking to Ethan Sachs, writer Ethan Sachs. This is over a year ago at this point, because Marco did the uh, Old Man Hawkeye series. I remember talking to Ethan about Marco, and this is, the, you know, that was a, a major project that Marco was undertaking, this, like, awesome 12-issue uh, limited series. And Ethan saying, like, I think Marco's going to be, like, one of the best in, like, decades. <laughs> like, he called it. What a pro. Um, all right. Th- this issue, a lot of moving parts. You've got... Uh, Matt and Electra, Matt with his role as parole officer, um, Matt and the woman who he's involved with, which is a very bad scene. And she has a daughter and a husband and she's all mobbed up and all that good stuff. Uh, you, of course, have the detective who is seeing that things aren't quite as black and white or as rosy as he had hoped when he started coming in here. Uh, of course, there's also this idea of these copycat daredevils, which is really intense. And, you know, poor boy that Matt is, he has all that Catholic guilt. This has got to just weigh on him even <laughs> more. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Oh, and of course, you've got the owl and the kingpin in a wonderful scene that surprised the crap out of yeah. me. It was really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and hey, uh, quick uh, other plug. Sign up for Chis- Chip Zdarsky's email newsletter. It's so good. I got one this morning. Oh, another one came in? Yep. I haven't seen it, it yet. It's so funny. It's maybe the best one yet. It's, they're just delightful. Boom. Sign up. Read it. Uh, okay. Next up, we have Doctor Strange number 19. Uh, this uh, script here is by Mark Wade with art by Jesus Saiz and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And it's my first pick of the week. Oh, Man. yeah. Uh, so, sneaky, sneaky. There's a big change in the status quo for Doctor Strange that happens in this issue. Uh, this this one is a kind of a simple story on its face. Strange, he's chasing an evil spirit uh, that's been going around hurting people. Um, he, he gets to a scene just as the spirit uh, causes a car crash uh, with a mom and a kid. The kid gets uh, injured very severely. Um, so Strange has to try to figure out how to save the kid. And like, you know, simple thing. He's got to save the kid while at the same time fighting off the spirit. But a story like this shows just how masterful Mark Wade and Jesus Saiz are. They have clever story beats in here, elements that remind us how far Doctor Strange's character has come, you know, over his entire career. There, it does a ton of simple world building in a very short period of time, taking Strange, you know, in his astral form out into um, another dimension to talk to a keeper of knowledge, let's right. say. And in that's like two pages. But in that, you have what could have opened up into four issues worth of story, of the the trip that Strange takes, of the conversation with this entity, of all the elements that are built around the entity. Like, there's so much that's done there, but it's just jam-packed. They just stuff it into this issue, which is fertile ground for anyone to dive into later on in the line. You know, 
it also brings drama and horror elements together uh, really, really beautifully with the spirit, with the entity, uh, all of that. And, you know, it's got Ditko-esque elements of, of like just the weird that pop up. Um, it's, it's, of course, stunningly gorgeous because it's Jesus Saiz. Come on. I mean, oof, there's a page with um, a few quick flashbacks to Strange's Origin. They're like sprinkled in panels to the present day. Uh, and the flashbacks, I think there's only two on the page. They are colored in just two hues. So it's a very like visceral, almost feel like you like an actual flash of these images done. And it's so smart and it, it doesn't take you out, but it just like says here, here. And, and you, you get those elements really quickly. All right. Up next is Guardians of the Galaxy, the Prodigal Son, number one. This is written by Peter David, art by Francesco Mana, colors by Espen Grundigern. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit, uh, and this is the uh, the last part of the three issue Prodigal story. At least the last part we're getting for now. Uh, we get a bunch more of about his his life, his history, his family, all that good stuff, uh, and it wraps him into the current Guardians of the Galaxy story, kind of. <laughs> like yeah. you just have to remember continuity thread. You have to thread through right. very you know gingerly uh, because. A comic that comes out this week could take place over the span of an hour or six months. And so you have to understand that, you know, these characters, these stories take place in various different times. Yeah, that needs to be like the disclaimer at the top of this show, at the start of every single Marvel comic. It's just like such an important thing to remember. Yeah. Time stretches, it moves. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So this one takes like sort of between major Guardians of the Galaxy arcs in that book before Silver Surfer Black. And so it's it's just got a little slide, yeah. slides yeah. right in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and this one ends up sending him off into the greater Marvel Universe. Hopefully we get to see more, especially if it's written by Peter David. Okay, next up we have Gwenpool Strikes Back, number two. This is written by Leah Williams with art by David Balion, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, this series, I don't know how this is going to keep, like, ratcheting up each issue. Like, I don't know how it's going to keep, like, heightening because it feels like we've reached a peak. I remember thinking that with issue one. I feel like absolutely that with this issue. Um, I think Leah is just just absolutely talk about creative uh teams or creators that are like born to to do a certain character um uh i think leah williams is absolutely born for gwenpool because she has this irreverence she is so funny she's such a smart writer um uh and you have to have all those elements like to such a ridiculous degree because uh you know gwenpool breaks the rules unlike anyone else this issue might as well be called Gwenpool featuring the Fantastic Four featuring Deadpool uh, because all of these characters show up in this issue. Essentially what's going on as a reminder in this uh, limited series is Gwenpool is, it's very funny. Gwenpool just as a like, just as a concept, Gwenpool is like trying to stay relevant in the Marvel universe. So she's doing everything she can to like, you know, stay in the front lines, stay in the headlines. And it is hilarious. It is just the best. Yeah, I want to give a special shout out as well because uh, one of the variant covers is another like cat cover by now Fuji, uh, which is so cute. It's so good. And it is like very much in line with 
Gwenpool's panel border yeah. world breaking uh, abilities. Uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Invaders number nine is up next. It is written by Chip Zdarsky. Again, he is got a week. Yeah. Art by Carlos Magno and Butch Geis with colors by Alex Gumares and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I love what Chip and the team have been doing uh, in this series because they are successfully, for me, making Namor sympathetic as someone you care yeah. about, even though he is doing horrible things causing global catastrophes hurting people hurting his friends like murdering in some cases i think for me the work that this creative team is doing with namor in this series is like the most interesting fascinating complex character going right now in the marvel universe yeah i love it yeah i mean he's namor of course he's he's everything to everyone um uh, you know yes he's the best yes he's awesome but He's, you know, doing all these awful things, and he's also being messed with in uh, really terrible ways. For many of you I know who are into these things, there's shirtless Captain America and Bucky action in here. Um, <laughs> look, whatever sells a book, come on, I'm here to help. Sure. Uh, the first two or three issues of this series are now on Marvel Unlimited, so please get up in this. Totally. Uh, love it. So good. All right. Next up, we have Invisible Woman number three. It's written by Mark Wade with art by Mattia Diulis and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I mean, just a huge shout out to Mattia because like freak level work going on here. That's one of my favorite words to use for people that I'm just like my mind is blown by um, just because it's like you're free you have to be a freak of nature to be able to pull this kind of stuff off um, also I feel like uh, absolutely I mean it's worth just saying out loud like Mattia and uh, Jesus Saiz are like in my mind very much of the same school um, uh, visually they look very you know similar to me like really really incredibly tight lines they both do their own colors and, and just have this really really wonderful way of kind of shading and coloring things Really awesome stuff. I love it. Uh, I, I yeah. would say Mattia, to to my eye, yeah. is like a middle point between Jesus and Jamie McKelvey. Mm. Uh, it has similar like lines to Jamie and, and, and structures and stuff, but I can see exactly what you're talking about yeah. in, in sort of the tone and the shading and the coloring and the, the, the skill um, of Jesus. Right. Yeah, really cool. Um, anytime I read a Mark Wade book, um, and I was thinking that with Doctor Strange, I think it with History of the Marvel Universe, I think about it with everything that he does. It's just He has such an incredible wealth of knowledge. And it's not just like simple facts. You know what I mean? This happened this year. This happened this year. This is where this character was introduced, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just that. It's a it's a deep knowledge of who these characters are, what they would do, how they would approach a situation, what they wouldn't do. And then, you know, from that foundation, he has an incredible ability, as evidenced in this week's Doctor Strange, to morph things and change things. And that's why it's often so impactful, because, we, you know, he has such a, a, a precise vision of what the core of these characters is. Uh, and so when, you know, when he makes a choice, we just feel it on such a core, visceral, real level because it is so precise. It's so accurate. I'm, I'm really loving it. And like I said, love the art, love everything about it. It's great. Up next is Ironheart number 10. It is written by Eve L. Ewing with art by Luciano Vecchio, layouts by Jeffo, colors by Matt Mila, letters uh, by VCs Clayton Cowles. I do want to say one thing, really. 
what a week for art. As I just like, you know, recount, you know, yeah. Jesus Saiz and, and we just had Matia and, you know, we have more amazing art coming up uh, and, and beyond. We have so many incredible artists, Marco and Travel and, and Travel on and, on. and everybody. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. What a week. Yeah. If you are someone who just comes in for the art, this is the week. Yeah. Give us all your money. Yeah. And Luciano is one of those artists that I, you know, I've said it before, very I'm hot on on their art. Luciano is going to be an up and coming mm-hmm. superstar. You mm-hmm. see his work here on Ironheart, and it's tremendous. Uh, but most importantly, are you here for Shuriri? Oh, nice. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that is what Silhouette, member of the New Warriors, an awesome hero who's teaming up in this issue, that's what she calls Shuri and Riri when they're together. And there's a moment where uh, she says it around Okoye, and Okoye. Um, has just like this chef's kiss perfect reaction to it. It's so fun. Uh, and the reactions are all in the dialogue and in the the acting and in right. the art. They're so well done and, and smartly uh, put together. Uh, I would highly suggest you jump on this. Again, there's a couple issues on Marvel Unlimited of this series for you. Nice. Uh, okay, hold on to your butts, folks, because next up we have King Thor number one. Uh, it's written, of course, by the master, Jason Aaron, with gorgeous art by the other master, Asad Rebich, uh, with also a cover by Asad. Uh, uh, and then we have uh, colors by Ives Forcina and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. And it's my second pick of the week. You know it. I jumped right on this you one. You gotta. Took it right away. Uh, so I, I'm reading this. I was reading this the other day and feeling like... David Tennant's doctor mm. as he regenerates into Matt Smith. And there's that scene at the end of, of his last episode where he's like, I don't want to go. Yeah. And that sadness. I think about that probably once a month to this at day. Least, yeah. At least. At <laughs> least. It happened to me twice this week. Uh, it's one of those scenes that like, I, I, yeah, I think about he's my favorite doctor yeah. and like that deep emotional moment at the end. And then it's like, you know, it flips and like, all right, then we're moving forward. Yeah. Um, this is a bit of that because this is the end. This is the start of the end to Jason Aaron's Thor. And I don't want it to end. Yeah. It has to end. I know what's what we're moving forward into, and I'm very excited for that. But now my heart is heavy. Uh, but there's no way, no better way for this to end than with Jason and Isad telling a story of Thor versus Loki at the end of time. It is brutal and sad and like the word epic doesn't even feel big enough for this. You know what I mean? It's at one point Loki slices Thor open with the power of the Necro sword, which, you know, goes back to the very beginning uh, of, you know, Jason's Thor run. Uh, Then, then Thor wraps his intestines around Loki on one end. Wraps the other end, he's, I guess, cut them off, wraps the other end around Mjolnir, and then he throws Mjolnir. <laughs> and where it goes, I'm not going to spoil that, but it is tree, man, dust. And that's just, like, the middle of the issue. Right, that's, that's not, like, the, the ending, like, yeah. oh, the end, we won. Oh, no. It's insane where this oh series gosh. starts. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's I, – I, maybe it's too early to say, but – I feel like calling Isad one of the greatest artists in comics of all time feels like it'll it'll be something that is like yeah of course he is. Yeah. Yeah. And and I want to say 
Shout out to I've Sorzina's colors because just so gorgeous, like this kind of watercolor texture to it um, that I just love. And it, it adds to the whole kind of the whole feeling of the entire book. The, this creative team is just out of this world. Wild. Yeah. So that was King Thor. And I want to give thanks to our advertiser, Marvel MasterCard, this week. Because if you want to get your hands on every single issue of Jason Aaron's Thor, what better way to do it than with your Marvel MasterCard? Because did you know you could be earning cashback rewards just for buying comic books? How? With the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. You could earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard. And 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. And you can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription. Uh, And you can also choose your superhero from one of six cool card designs too, like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. Oh, but there's so many more comics this week, you guys. One of them is League of Legends Lux number five, the final issue of this limited series written by John O'Brien. And then, of course, the art is put together by Tan Comics, the team there, Billy Tan, Hannig, Gadsden, and the crew. Uh, And this one wraps it all up. Lux has to make her big decision. Where does she go? Does she side with uh, the mages who... She has the magic in her blood, or does she side with her family, her country? Oh, there's a lot to go on for her. Uh, But there's even more comics, like I said. Next is Loki number three, written by Daniel Kibblesmith, drawn by Oscar Bazaldua, colored by David Curiel, and lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, It's a real mind screw going from King Thor to Loki. Like, if you're reading these books, and you should be reading them both, even within the Loki book, there are different versions of Loki. The first page is one of the biggest heartbreakers I've read in a bit. It doesn't even feature Loki. I mean, he does some of the narration on the page, but it's about the woman we met in the first issue, Megan, whose wife was taken away by Nightmare. And it's a simple seven-panel page. Three of the panels are flashbacks. Three are present day. There's some Loki narration. It is devastating. It is just... Too, it was too like I, I was like oh god yeah Daniel why yeah, yeah. why did you do this to me uh, it is really good but very like that's a great tone setter yeah I saw people tweeting at at Daniel about that bit and saying just like what the hell man what, what are you doing to us oh yeah yeah it just it's it's getting harder <laughs> yeah uh, you know Kibble Smith and the crew uh, do something really cool here which they introduce a few new cosmic abstracts which are connected to eternity, uh, which I really, really dig. Give me some of them weird cosmic bits. I'm here for it. Uh, Okay, next up we have Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 10, and it's my first pick of the week. Scared the bejesus out of me? I don't know why. (laughs) That wasn't even the hardest ding I've heard. This is not only Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 10. It's the 250th issue of Miles Morales comics. Um, Well... Let's be honest. Yeah. It's the 250th issue of Spider-Man comics that also have featured Miles Morales. <laughs> Miles, the numbering continues from Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. Right? So uh, he, he wasn't around for all 250. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I love our math because we throw oh, yeah. Come on. point, you know, TBDs in there yep. and, and all yep. kinds of stuff. Uh, but... 
Let's be real. <laughs> um, a uh, uh, a it's appropriate given the subject matter of this story. But anyway, this issue is by Saladin Ahmed and Javier Garon. They are storytellers together here with colors by David Curiel and letters throughout by VCs Corey Pettit. There's also a backup story called The Secret Origin of Starling, which is really fun, written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Annie Wu and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. It's it's Miles' birthday. It's Miles' birthday. I mean, talk about packing in an enormous amount of work into Spider-Man comics. Talked about it at the top with Amazing Spider-Man. Holy cow. Like, reading this issue, I was reminded of how much has gone on in just 10 issues of this series. It's really incredible. Not just what Miles has gone through personally, uh, but how his relationship with his whole family has evolved and changed. Um, And it it just feels so right. It feels so organic. And then in The Secret Origin of Starling, uh, we have a a really beautiful, only, you know, five or so page story about a young hero called Starling, which is super concise storytelling. I think that's a a hallmark of a great writer like Saladin. And uh, also shout out to Annie Wu, who uh, does uh, beautiful art on that. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a big deal, this issue. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest you pick it up. Yeah. I'm just going to it. <laughs> uh, up next is Moon Knight Annual Number One, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Ibrahim Mustafa and Matt Horak, colors by Mike Spicer, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Um, so, this is another one of our Acts of Evil. The concept of the Acts of Evil books has been to put heroes against villains we don't normally see them face, get new stories and new appearances and experiences. Yay! Uh, this one rules. It's Moon Knight time hopping to try and stop Kang, the Conqueror, from. Uh, as he is a time-traveling conqueror, uh, trying to stop Kang from rearranging reality. And throughout time, Moon Knight, that we know, finds himself side-by-side with other avatars of Khonshu. So you get Wild West Moon Knight, Victorian London Moon Knight, and many, many more. It is fun, it is dark, it is super cool. Uh, Okay, next up we have Powers of Ten, number four. Oh man, look out. Holy moly, holy cow. Uh, This is written... Of course, by Jonathan Hickman, with art by R.B. Silva, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The way that this story is constructed with um, the different kind of eras of X-Men throughout uh, uh, the, this series um, is so cool because not only do we have how this how this kind of issue or how this series relates back and forth with uh, House of X, but we also have like these really fascinating echoes throughout these eons of X-Men history, 110, 100,000. Also, what I'm really excited about um, and that I felt coming through in in interesting ways, uh, knowing what's coming with uh, Dawn of X, I was so excited to see in this uh, this issue in particular some different colors and different character moments, different things kind of coming to the foreground that I... that I feel are going to move beautifully into uh, into Dawn of X in various ways. I won't say much more about that. One thing I can talk about that I that I love is these quotes that we've kind of start and finish each issue with. This this one is uh, we start this issue, so it's it's right there for you. Is a Professor X quote which says, uh, "I fear our needs will far outlast our desires. We have many hard choices ahead of us." That sums it up beautifully. There's <laughs> hard choices everywhere. Uh, just like incredibly dramatic stuff across the board. It's so awesome. Yeah. You didn't mention, I don't think you did, the gossip 
pages. Oh yeah, by Mister Sinister. Yeah, uh, I want to give a special shout out for Jonathan Hickman just going in a completely different direction with his tone for Sinister. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, so good, so juicy, so sassy. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Uh, up next is Punisher Kill Crew number two, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Juan Ferreira, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, and it is just so gorgeous. Again, the art this week. We go from Arby Silva that and Marte that previous issue to now Juan Ferreira, who we I talked about, you talked about numerous times, uh, and he's again another guy who does it all himself. So he's in that Jesus Saiz camp that uh, you know like just comes in guns blazing, mm-hmm. full package, very specific vision to what they try to do, and it he nails it. So. The idea of Punisher Kill Crew is that Punisher, he has to go after people who left orphans of the War of the Realms or people who were affected by War of the Realms. He's going after the monsters that escaped off of Earth back to their dimensions, back to their realms, wherever it was. So he, in this issue, goes to Counter-Earth, which... Counter-Earth is a copy of Earth on the opposite side of the sun that was created by the High Evolutionary and inhabited by animal-man hybrids. Boom. I remember doing, when I was a freelancer for Marvel.com ages ago, I remember doing a piece on, it was like Clone Conspiracy era of Spider-Man and writing about this, about that whole backstory and all of that stuff. And it's like burned forever into my brain. It's yeah. like one of the few things that like will never get lost to the sands of comic book time. Yeah. Okay. Next up is my second pick of the week it is silver surfer black number four surprise surprise silver surfer black uh is a stunner this is written by donnie cates with uh well it's story and script by donnie cates and story and art by trad moore uh we mentioned it earlier just yeah a freak uh then we have colors by dave stewart and letters by vcs clayton cowles um there's a splash page in the middle of this book that I I turned the page and it was one of those moments. I think it probably only happens about five times a year is is generous. I think maybe five times a year is like the uh, an absolute maximum of like when I turn a page and I literally have an audible reaction of just like shock and awe and just disbelief at what I'm seeing. And uh, I get one of those in this in this book. Yeah, it, it is so insane the way that Trad plays with perspective, the way that things kind of are twisted, and the way that they move differently. It is just so amazing. It, not only do we have a, a great Silver Surfer story in here, we also have these other characters, these other ancillary characters that Donnie's bringing in, Donnie and Trad are bringing in, and uh, they're so fascinating that like each one of the elements of this story is deserving of its own series because this world, this this corner of the universe that we're exploring here is so rich, it's so beautiful, and it's you can just feel such a beautiful but also dark center to it all. No words. Yeah. No words. I will add one Two more words. Yes. And so if you if you know what this is, if you know what it means, you'll know what it means. Spirit bomb. Ooh. I'm going to leave it at that. Up next is Star Wars Age of Resistance Supreme Leader Snoke, number one, written by Tom Taylor, pencils by Leonard Kirk, and inks by Corey Hampshire, colors by Guru Effects, and lettering by VCs Travis Lanham. I can't wait for Rise of the Skywalker. Yeah. Like, g- g- give it to me now. Yeah. Ugh. Honestly. Uh, but 
This does not really, as far as I can tell, shed a ton of light on the movie, but it still got me so hyped. Like I was reading it, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It is really about Snoke training Kylo Ren. I don't want to give anything more away. If you have any interest in the Star War, get this. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Done. Uh, okay, next up we have Swordmaster number three. Uh, this has a couple of stories like each Swordmaster issue does. The first one is called The Ancient War, uh, and that is by uh, written by Shuizu with art by Gunji and the adaptation written by Mr. Greg Pak. Uh, and then we have uh, part three of the Swordmaster uh, and Shang-Chi backup story. That's written by Greg Pak with art by Ariel and Dito and colors by Rochelle Wersenberg with letters throughout by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this Swordmaster, the, the primary story in here is, uh, the story is so cool. I love the art. This is kind of manga style art. Absolutely awesome. To see how like your titular hero like is struggling to catch up with his own story in a way is so cool uh, and it's so different and honestly the way that this explodes into something completely massive and huge and is kind of building its own kind of corner of the universe mythology all its own is so awesome and I'm just kind of like you know I'm learning so much as I read and I'm just like dumbfounded of like whoa Uh, All right, my last book of the week is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 48 Written by Ryan North, art by Derek Charm, colors by Rico Renzi. Uh, and we got some really cool trading card artists in here. We'll get to that in a second. But art by Michael Cho, Rico Renzi, Doc Shaner. Uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham throughout. Um, Melissa Morbeck here is really like estab- they're establishing her as Squirrel Girl's like greatest arch nemesis. It's really cool. She assembles Omega Legion of Doom and MODOK and Fin Fang Foom and the leader and Dormammu and Baron Mordo, Taskmaster, Whiplash. Uh, there's a really great little gag about how Whiplash is completely out of his league here. Um, there's some excellent dooming. Melissa is kind of the mega evil, super genius, super villain that we need for for someone like Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Um, she, she fits Doreen's level. Yeah, I think. All right, last issue this week is Venom number 18. It's written by Donnie Cates with art by the great Ivan Coelho, uh, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. These disparate elements that um, uh, Donnie is like picking, hand selecting to bring into his story here, uh, and the way that they weave together is so perfect. I love it so much with like an original character like Dylan through to like these other characters that have their own backgrounds and come from these different kind of stories, but all just weave in perfectly together. Um, and it's just really cool at the end of the day that Venom, at least this issue, and I think the last issue as well, just like what's going on right now, especially with what's happening with Absolute Carnage and everything with Eddie over there. Um, and also Dylan, obviously, but it's so cool to see that like Venom in this issue, at least is kind of a, it's, it's as much a Dylan Brock story as it is anyone else's story. I don't really see this as like an Eddie story, which is awesome. It's so cool. It's so inventive. It's so new. And that's something that Donnie's been teasing lately on social media, which is super fun. He's saying like, you know, people, you know, the big announcement about Venom Island and that being the next big arc for, for, for this series. And people are so excited about it, rightfully so. Mark Bagley. Uh, this is the Mark Bagley episode. That's what this is. Um, and uh, 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 did he even have a book? 
He didn't even draw an issue this <laughs> I week. I think so, this, yeah. <laughs> this week, and he still wins. Yeah, yeah, He's you're so right. He's that damn good. Yeah, you're so right. Okay, that is the 500 individual issues on shelves this week. Collections on sale this week include Age of X-Men, Apocalypse, and the Extracts, Domino, Hot Shots, uh, Incredible Hulk, Masterworks Volume 13, Marvel Monograph, The Art of Asad Rubich. Which is huge. Uh, like, if you should pick this up. No, or e- even go to your local comic shop, start to flip through it. Yeah. Then you'll be like, oh, I have to buy this. Right. Like, I'm telling <laughs> you, you will buy this book. Uh, we have uh, Marvel Visionaries, Jack Kirby, Shuri, Volume 2, uh, 24-7 Vibranium, uh, Spider-Man, The Many Hosts of Carnage, Venom, War of the Realms, War of the Realms, Amazing Spider-Man, Daredevil, uh, and X-Men by Roy Thomas and Neil Adams, Gallery Edition. Yes. Uh, There's a a bunch of old books added to uh, Marvel Comics app, but I wanted to point out a couple things on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, Meet the Scrolls, number one, by Robbie Thompson and Nico Uh, Heinrichen is in uh, Marvel Unlimited this week. So if you missed it when it first popped up, now start reading it. And then you'll be like, oh... I get it now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy the trade because it's really good. Uh, Star Wars Vader Dark Visions number one, which was tremendous. Awesome and, horror limited series. Yep. Yeah. Uh, each issue is sort of separate and contained in and of itself. So you can read one and just dive in. Uh, Ziggy Pig Steely Seal Comics number one, uh, written by- John Cirilli. John Cirilli. Yes. Frank Thierry. I have my signed issue on my desk. <laughs> uh, it is really great. It's got a Method Man cameo. It is wonderful. Yeah. I Believe me, you have Marvel Unlimited. I'm sure all of our listeners have it by now. This is a book you have to read. It's and so like, fun. if you read that title and know like the origin of those characters from decades and decades ago, it is not the story you're expecting. No. It is so far out there in the best way. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I wanted to point out something really cool. Most of the Doom 2099 issues by Warren Ellis were added to Marvel Unlimited. I think the only one not there is the last issue, which I don't under The last <laughs> issue of his run. Uh, there's still like four or five more issues after it. But it is a great run. You don't have to know anything about 2099 other than it is the future. Mm-hmm. 80 years from now, uh, when they were doing it, it was like uh, 105 years from then or something like that. But good twist. It's weird. It's fun. It's got great art by Ashley Wood, Steve Pugh, and others. Uh, Start with issue number 26 of the run. That's when Warren's run begins. I mean, the other issues may be great. I'll be honest. I've not read them. I specifically dove in when I knew Warren wrote those. We have a collection that we put out a couple years ago. It's great. It's really, really good. If you like Doctor Doom... This is it. This is great stuff. Nice. Uh, that covers all the books out for this week. We'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.